Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, we've got a mystery to solve on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. Streaming live at mytalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. And when there's a mystery, uh, we like to get our gumshoe hats on and turn into the Cobra game. Gumshoe hats? Whenever there's trouble, we're there on the double with the Cobra game. If you've got the crime, we've got the time with the Cobra um, if you were going out for coffee and donuts this morning to your favorite Tim Hortons location, oops, mm, uh, they went bye-bye in the car car. Yeah. And we need to figure like out today? what's literally they just, all of the Twin Cities based Tim Hortons are now Bye-byesville. And I think this might've happened yesterday. Um, but the news came out today that most of these locations are now officially closed. And we don't know why. But we kind of have some ideas, so we kind of need to get to the bottom of this. First of all, do you know what a Tim Hortons is? Well, I, I recall when they came here and people were, there were certain people who were like, oh my gosh, we're getting a Tim Hortons. This is so exciting. And we were like, whoa, what's a Tim Hortons? Right. And they were like, the best donuts, the best coffee. And then they got here and we were like, eh. It just seems like, honestly, um, and I have not been to a Tim Hortons, so now I think we're going to get all those people that are like, oh my God, it's the best, which I am glad... <laughs> It is, but I, d- I never got a chance to see it or to experience the some hard yeah. times. But what I will say is, to me, it just seemed like kind of a Dunkin' Donuts kind of experience with maybe some less options as a Dunkin' Donuts experience. Right. So Dunkin' Donuts light, perhaps we'll call it. And what's funny about this story about all of these Twin Cities locations disappearing um this week is that last week i was we were driving home from dinner and we were going down one stretch of east lake where there is a tim hortons yep and i remember very distinctly driving by thinking wow there's a tim hortons there and i've never been to tim hortons and do people go to tim hortons and also it's just weird that there's one on east lake street because there's not a lot going on down there and i think of like a tim hortons being a place where you want to jump in real quick, get a coffee and a donut and run out. Right. Not you know? like a destination. Yeah. It's like, not like, like, oh, I can't wait to go to the Tim Hortons to get their signature right. donut holes. What were their donut holes called again? Timbits. Yeah. And, Timbits. and people would be like, oh, they have the best Timbits. And I'd be like, but those we, are just donut holes. Well, kind of, because we just saw now people are going to complain. It's so fine. Whatever. Let we, them. we don't have a leg to stand on because we don't know. This but is true. let's get back to the mystery at hand. The yeah. mystery at hand is all of a sudden... 14 locations across the metro shuttered doors. In fact, All employees, at the same time. reporters were like, and people were like, sorry, we got to close. We just lost our jobs. They didn't tell anybody. There oh was gosh. no heads up. Um, employees were just told to shutter the locations. Now, here's what we do know. So those locations are owned by, I don't know if all of them, but a, a significant number of the ones that are in the metro were owned by this a franchisee by the name of Tim Min Inc. Okay. Which obviously means like Tim Hortons, Minnesota. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently there were some disputes between Tim Min Inc. and the head honchos over at Tim Hortons headquarters. Uh-huh. Okay. In Canada, because okay. that's where Tim Hortons is from. Right. 
and we don't know what the nature of the tension betwixt them was? Well, we have an idea. So apparently this all goes back to um, some disputes they had. In fact, there was a lawsuit filed in 2017 where Tim Hortons had accused Tim Min of not paying their required franchise payments. And also, Tim Min apparently had complained that Tim Hortons, the the headquarter peoples, were uh, price gouging. That they were requiring franchisees to buy certain, you know, because like when you're a franchise, you have to buy certain things. Right. Like you have to have this in your store if you're going to be a Tim Hortons. Right. Let's say Timbits, right? For example. So they were alleging that whatever these required products were, were being overpriced. Uh, by headquarters, such that they had no choice but to overpay for these things. Um, so that's what the franchisees were complaining about. So there were disputes. Interesting. And when you talk to the headquarters, when reporters talk to headquarters, they were like, it's really an unfortunate that the franchisee decided to just close up shop. Shut them down. Because, you know, that's not the way we would do things. Um, but because there's, you know, a fracas between them. They're not willing to talk about it. So again, you don't really kind of know exactly what's going on, but the bottom line is the franchisee, whomever he, she is, um, just literally shut everything down one day. Okay. That is suspicious. And then you got to feel bad for all the people who, to your point, lost their jobs. Of course. Like in the blink of an eye. 14. uh, And and what's really weird is that there had apparently been some sort of agreement to have, like over, I think 280 locations. Yeah. More than 280 locations in Minnesota with, with uh, like over a specific period of time of which they'd already opened 14. So this was like a long-term strategy. And uh, for whatever reason, they just decided to shut her down. I wonder if that like leaves, you know, I'm sure that there's an opportunity because the buildings are there standing. Yeah. I mean, could another franchisee come in and Scoop them up and yeah, that's a good reopen question. them. And These are all very good I questions. Know. It's a shame I don't know anything about business, but I do know but this. Can, what? I, I think you and I might be about to say the same thing. Well, I was just going to say, first of all, is anybody missing the Tim Hortons? Yeah, no, I'm not. Again, feel bad for the people who lost their jobs, not missing the Tim Hortons, but think now maybe there's an opportunity for another franchise to make its way into town. Well... The one that we've always asked for for years is a Waffle House. Thank you. I don't know that the Tim Hortons is big enough to put in a Waffle House, but TikTok, the clock is ticking. We've been waiting for a decade for these Waffle Hooses. I want a dumb Waffle House. Just one. I'll start with just one. Sunny, Make it central. Have you ever been to a Waffle House? No, I haven't. Oh. It would be nice to have oh. something other than like a pancake house. Yes. The, the Waffle yeah. House is, well, it's not just waffles. Right. It's not just pancakes. Right. No. It's burgers. Mm-hmm. It's pancakes. It's waffles. It's a treasure. <laughs> it's just. It's a treasure. It's like old school griddle cooking. Like kind there's, of a dinery. Yeah, like a diner. Like you got Mel uh, mm-hmm. in the back flipping things on a griddle. You oh, they got hash browns with all sorts of different uh, ways you can get them. We like, don't have restaurants like that dirty. anymore. Honestly, hmm? we don't. There aren't like. 
I need that kind of breakfasty, lunchy joint. Now, I know people will take this opportunity to tell us the half dozen places in the state of Minnesota that are kind of like Waffle <laughs> no. House. And I want you to continue to do that because we love hearing from listeners. <laughs> yes. But just know that we literally just want a Waffle House. Like, you can tell me about something that's like a Waffle House, and I'll still say, but I just want a Waffle House. Like, I, I almost would spend my retirement savings on opening a Waffle House franchise. Almost. Well, yeah, because I'm not really going to do that, but in case it goes belly up. Oh, but Waffle House. But who wouldn't want to, I mean, a Waffle and House, somebody man. just take one for the team? down the block and around the corner for you that thing. You know what thing. I think, too? If they, if they made sure they had vegan options, too. Oh, see. We can do that. Yeah. Sure. That would, I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's where the stuff is going. Maybe we'll get Meghan Markle well, in. Well, speaking, Meghan Markle, oh, yeah, because she's eating dairy-free. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of the vegan thing, you know, that Impossible Burger, which Sonny is obsessed with, <sighs> the Impossible Burger, which there are 58 locations of Burger Kings throughout the state of Missouri, which are currently um, serving, the, serving Impossible. the Impossible Burger. It won't get here probably till the end of the year, but it's coming. Um, what I was going to say is their stock, the company that makes the Impossible Burger, shot through the roof this week. And so if... That is literally where things are going, FYI. Do you remember when we heard about the Impossible Burger and we were like, this is dumb. Yeah. This is ridiculous. It's going to taste like crap. It looks cool, but it's like a party trick. Now I've heard of so many people who've tried this Impossible Burger. Listen. Is it really good? Listen, I I had to pause several times going, it's got to be beef. It's, I had to pause several times and go, you're lying. This can't be veggie-based. It can't. It can't. It's okay. That's what they say. Oh, good. Time and time again, I've heard oh. people say this. And it's, here's the caveat. It's not necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. The Impossible Burger. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't. It's just. It's just not it's beef. It's not beef. Yeah. And so that lends itself to a lot of benefits, not only in the health arena, but mostly in the environmental arena. So it's a good thing for a number of reasons. But the most important thing is that it allegedly tastes real good. So I saw it on a menu one time and I thought, well, now's my chance. And I almost ordered it. But then I thought, what if I get it and it's terrible? And then I wasted a meal on it. Do they have have them at White Castle? They have... I feel like they did. But it's not going to be the same one that's at a... It's a slider, yes, which is... But a, it's not going to be like the one... Okay, I had, right? the one I had was like at a brewery. It uh, was a big one. And and also, too, I know this helped. The bread was on point. Well, that's the thing. Because <laughs> that's what makes the burger. Yeah, man. Yeah. If yeah. you go to Impossible Foods, Impossible Foods, the one that makes the Impossible Burger, if you go to their website... Um, you can actually search for locations of the Impossible Burger. Okay. So, all right. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, speaking of food, which it seems like we always are, it is Friday, and we are going to try something that is off our normally pretty healthy diets because it's a cheat day. After this, on my talk one oh seven one. Oh, we've got a cheat day double down today on the Colleen and Bradley show. My talk one oh seven one streaming live at my talk one oh seven one dot com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Hello. And on Fridays, we like to throw our normally relatively healthy diets out the window, and it's time for us to cheat. Dirty rotten cheetah. Cheat day taste test. Stick this in your mouth. Okay, so first of all, we have to tell you about something really exciting that everybody can take part in. Uh, and this is kind of a fun. Fun little way to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. It's not a fun little way. Okay, it's a fun big way. Yeah. 
it's fun for people. So this is something that uh, anybody can take part in at Revolution Hall, uh, which is uh, in Rose Roseville, Rosedale. Um, it's a five pound burrito. Yeah. So um, this is something for uh, this is not for everybody, right? Not everybody is going to be able to wrap their mouths around um, the five, five pound, pound burrito. burrito, but you will be able to do this for uh, through Cinco de Mayo. So mm-hmm. that means today is the third, which means you still have two, two days to two do more this days. out at Rosedale, out at Revolution Hall. And if you get through this five pound burrito in eight minutes, which, by the way, this burrito is filled with chicken tinga, pork carnitas, carne asada, rice beans, lettuce, tomato, onion, radish, cheese, three sauces. If you can get through that five burrito pound challenge, um, you get all sorts of swag. I think you get a T-shirt. Like a gift, card, a gift card. A bunch of, a bunch of great stuff. Yeah. Just for completing a five pound burrito all by your solo self. In eight minutes or less. Indeed. And when when we say a five pound burrito, I I didn't quite know what to expect. It is the well, length of a forearm. Well, first of all, when we were contacted, they said we're doing this five pound burrito challenge. You want us to uh, bring you guys a burrito? I thought, well, okay, they'll bring us a burrito. We'll look at it. No, no, they brought us the they five brought pound us burrito. The five pound burrito. And I'm telling you, when you look at it, you cannot figure out how one person can put that in their belly. But I want to see somebody try. So we'll put go um, hungry. I I don't think we're going to make one person try it here, but um, everybody at the station is going to be able to put it away. So thanks again to Rosedale Revolution Hall and. Uh, a giant big fat burrito. We'll it's post amazing. pictures on Facebook. We'll post pictures on uh, social media as well so you can see that burrito. <laughs> now, our actual cheat day Friday experience today comes courtesy of Colleen Lindstrom. Uh, chocolate Toast Crunch. It is a cereal Ooh. extravaganza. And we know Sonny loves her cereal. So, Sonny, we'll get this to you okay. in the break. But so here's the deal I think cereals are having their day right now. So there's all kinds of different crazy kinds of cereal in the world. And so whenever I see one, I just grab it because I think we got to try this. We got to yeah. see what this is all about. <laughs> so uh, chocolate toast crunch. My kids love cinnamon toast crunch. We recently tried the ch- the cinnamon toast crunch churros brand. Yeah. Um, I love cinnamon toast crunch. I do is too. chocolate and cinnamon? I hey, it's Mike, and I'm so excited to tell you about Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. We're all busy, and with Factor, eating fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals has never been simpler. Two minutes is all you need to heat and eat wherever you are. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash btpod50 and use code btpod50 to get 50% off. That's code btpod50 at factormeals.com slash btpod50 to get 50% off. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Can't tell. 
Yeah, uh, it says it? real cocoa and cinnamon. Okay, so it's got Ooh. cocoa and cinnamon, and it's all like a cinnamon toast crunchy crunch. And I have a little cup of it right here. It looks like cinnamon toast spoon. crunch, and it, but it's a little. It's got you know the chocolate dust on it. So should I take a bite? Yeah. Go for it. Okay, here we go. Somebody talk while I'm eating. It looks just like cinnamon toast crunch with chocolate dust. Mm-hmm. So, are you a big fan of cinnamon toast crunch, Sonny? The it's old one of school my favorite. one. Yeah, the yeah. old school one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It got a little dusty as, you, as I got older. Oh, really? Yeah. So could... you're not a huge fan now? No. Maybe. No. Okay. Do you eat cereal in general? I do. I no, I don't. Not as much the the carbs. Colleen. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what to expect on the front end. You're going to go, oh, this is goodish. This is fine. And then after you swallow it, you're going to be left with sort of a chocolatey cocoa film in your mouth Mm-mm. that might not feel pleasant or exciting. Yeah, the word film is never good with film, cereal. No, you don't want to film. <laughs> you want to remain film free. Right. Bradley? I mean, you know, it's cereal. I don't know. Most cereals are not my favorite anyway. I would eat a bowl of this. Are you kidding me? In the middle of the night, put put this in a uh, bowl of ice cold milk and I'll eat the whole box. You know what I would do? I would crumble it up and put it on top of ice cream. That sounds right. But I don't know that I would. I don't. I mean, I'll finish this little cup of it. I wouldn't buy it, but. No, I don't think I'd buy it. I'd rather have regular cinnamon toast crunch. uh, Yes, you definitely would. Cinnamon toast crunch. I think that that's my biggest of problem. The gimmicky we don't cereals. need to mess with the cinnamon toast crunch. Of the cinnamon or uh, of the gimmicky cereals we've had, this is not the worst by far, but it's, it's not, not my the favorite best. either. Okay, so if we were to rate the chocolate toast crunch cereal, I would say a two out of five. I was going to give it a two myself. Mm. So you can skip it unless you like a cocoa film, in which case. I mean, I'm going to eat the rest of this. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm totally eating the rest of the cup. I'm not going to. Like, film is never ever. You can ever catch happened. all of our cheat day Friday stuff, by the way, on Facebook. Yes, it's being filmed, so you can see what this stuff actually looks like, and you can also get a big fat uh, taste of what that five pound burrito, or at least looks an like. eyeful of it. If you want to taste, you got to go to Revolution Hall. All right, when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley Show, we've got celebrities behaving badly. We call them d bags. Celebrities behaving badly—they do it all the time. And we like to talk about them when they do it on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. And these are your D Bags. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. I'm just going to eat my burrito, five oh my pound gosh. burrito over here while you tell us. Stories. You could like curl it for oh. a little while and then eat it, you well, know? I, yeah, that's true. Then I can get my workout in. Exactly. Your okay, burrito your workout. Kim Kardashian. Frequent flyer. Why? Because, okay, so, you know, she, she's got a pretty hot Instagram game, right? And one of the things that she'll do from time to time is she'll start, she doesn't post necessarily photographs of what she's doing when she's doing it. Yeah. She'll like hang on to some stuff and then kind of do like sure. a little throwback experience. Well, apparently they took a trip to Bali this year. Oh, and, yeah. Um, it was a big deal. Yeah. And she share, she's now sharing photos, memories from her trip to Bali. And one of the pictures that she posted over the last couple of days was of her. First of all, I mean, okay, there's so much wrong with this. I barely even know where to start. Uh, she's posing next to an elephant in Bali. 
In the picture, she is wearing a bikini top, essentially. Oh uh, her long, kinky hair with some sunglasses, a large statement necklace, and a long maxi skirt that's cut up to the top of her thigh and some Yeezy sneakers. Um, she's sporting a nice beveled foot, which is a great way to elongate your leg in photographs. I mean, she's full on posing Yeah, with her hand on the trunk yeah. of... The elephant. I mean, it is Kim Kardashian. This is you true. You did not expect her to be standing respectfully with one of God's creatures. No, she couldn't just like pose next to it like we all do when we look awkward. She has to do it, but hot, you know? Anyway, on top of the elephant, there is a human being. And uh, the human being is holding in his hand... Um. I don't know what that implement is called, but something, oh, it's a bull hook is what it's called. And that maybe got some attention from people who were looking at this picture on uh, Instagram because she says, Kim Kardashian does, she captions the photo, missing Bali and the amazing elephant sanctuary. And astute viewers pointed out, that's not an elephant sanctuary where elephants are allowed to roam free and be treated like they are in their natural habitat and cared for in such a way that's straight up animal cruelty. And you're using it to model you. Yes. And and you're you, your Eunice. Um, no. And that's, there is no animal sanctuary in Bali and please don't make this yeah, so fashionable to millions of people. It's just not right. So they're just calling her out for yes, being dumb, saying one thing and doing another. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a Kim Kardashian for you. And at least she's brought attention to the fact that, um, you know, animals should be taken care of in a better manner than they are. That is a good thing. I guess. That's so that's my D bag. Uh, uh, Kim Kardashian D bag another day another dollar exactly here's somebody that I want to share with you as my D bag now this one is related to something we've talked about a lot here on this show and specifically it's the estate of Michael Jackson mm-hmm. so you'll remember of course that the estate of Michael Jackson is not happy not happy at all with a documentary called Leaving Neverland right. that premiered on HBO And HBO, in fact, got in hot water when the estate of Michael Jackson decided to sue uh, Leaving Neverland or sue HBO, that is, because they said that the documentary ran afoul of uh, a particular clause in a previous contract um, from actually like way back. I think it was like 1992. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a 1992 deal that the estate had with HBO. And so we knew that there was this lawsuit, right? Right. Well, I was reading about it earlier today. Deadline did a piece on this. And it seems very obvious that uh, the Michael Jackson estate has very little in the way of a legal leg to stand on in this particular case. Um, In fact, I I just wanted to read a little piece of this to you. They say um, this does not contain a valid agreement to arbitrate Uh, The instant dispute and confirm that uh, it's just a bunch of legalese. Here's basically what it means. What they're trying to say is 
that because uh, the HBO documentary Leaving Neverland disparaged Michael Jackson, it ran afoul of a clause that they had in this agreement from way back in 1992 when HBO was going to be airing. I think it was a concert. Yeah. uh, Tour, you you know, sort of uh, piece. Uh huh. Um, But HBO is saying, yeah. So first of all, that contract is null and void because it's expired. It goes back to 1992, has absolutely nothing to do with the year 2019. And um, there's really no contract to be upheld here. Um, And when you read through the 23-page filing, I will take Deadline's word for it, um, it is apparently clear that there was no responsibility on the part of HBO to not release a documentary like Leaving Neverland because of anything that it says in there based on this quote-unquote confidentiality agreement they had in this lawsuit. You know, it's so interesting because I remember when we first heard wind of this, it seemed odd to me that a company like HBO home box office, which is as old as I am, I think, um, would ever be so bold as to sign any kind of contract that would not allow them to share a certain story, you know, because you can't tell the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what might come out of it. It just that seemed to me like that would have been a bad move and that anybody with half a brain you know, in their legal or their business department would say like, yeah, no, we should not be signing anything that precludes us from ever doing any kind of coverage on somebody. So it already seemed fishy, but now you're saying indeed there's nothing there. There's no there there. Specifically, there's one piece that uh, HBO has said in response to this lawsuit, quote, in their legal filings, petitioners do not and cannot, that is petitioners being, the Michael Jackson estate alleged that any information HBO obtained during the course of performing their 1992 agreement, let alone any confidential information or trade secrets was provided to the filmmakers mm-hmm. because again, the filmmakers don't work directly for HBO, right? Right. Let alone uh, the 23 page filing from the defendants maintains quote, thus by the express language of the contract itself, leaving Neverland is categorically outside the scope of the, confidentiality provisions hmm. from that 1992 agreement. So basically HBO's like you can stuff it. At the end of the day though, it probably doesn't matter because I think you know, the Michael Jackson estate by suing, it's less about the actual case and more about the publicity that that case will bring, right. meaning it makes the estate look like they're not having the leaving, you know, the they are taking every opportunity to question the veracity and the genuine nature of leaving Neverland. So right. for them, it's far more part of a, I would imagine, PR move or strategy than right. any actual search for justice. Well, and it's probably just as much of that as you're saying, a PR move to get sort of coverage of the case that people will not necessarily be able to make sense of, but they've still... And it sows doubt in people's minds. Exactly. It's probably partly that, but also to send a message to anybody else who might be planning to do a similar type of documentary or expose article or whatever, that you better cross your T's and dot your I's or else they're going to be coming after you too. Yeah, exactly. Which, um, we're not scared of you. Yeah, I think at this point, um, HBO is like, yeah, we're not concerned about you and the state of Michael Jackson. Not to mention, you got to think that at HBO, they would have 
done their well, of legal they due diligence yeah. before they they're not just going to like this. accidentally. I mean, you better believe that before they go to to film, yeah, or press, however you want to say it, before you air a documentary like this and put your company at risk, especially when you're alleging that one of the you know most popular human beings of the modern era. Uh, is involved that you have everything taken care of legally. Yeah. Otherwise you better believe there's going to be somebody who's going to try to sue, which means even though they did, it's not that the Michael Jackson estate isn't going to stop from doing this because of the reasons we already talked about, but right. All right. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, Oh my goodness. Angelica Houston. When was the last time you heard her name? It's been a while. It has been a while. But, you know, she's been around for a while and she knows a lot of people in Hollywood. Well, she is spilling the tea about all kinds of celebrities and ones you know and ones you care about uh, in her own memoir. And one of the people that she is talking about is uh, Oprah Winfrey. Oh. And what she says about Oprah Winfrey might actually change your life forever. Forever? Probably. Okay. I'll tell you what she's saying about Oprah Winfrey et al. After this on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. Okay, so um, Vulture did a an interview with Angelica Houston. What's she up to? Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is sort of, by the way, this is the Colleen and Bradley show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Well, she is in that John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum oh. movie. Um, so she's doing press. Yeah. But Vulture also, I mean, they do these sort of longer form interviews that they print and they, you know, you'll remember there was a particularly revealing one of Quincy Jones last year Mm -hmm. that garnered a lot of public attention. Yeah, for sure. This one, there's some pieces of this interview that have this have a similar type of. Uh, attraction because Angelica Houston spills the tea about some people in Hollywood. I will also say um, that one of the things you may or may not realize about Angelica Houston is that she grew up in Hollywood because uh-huh. um, because her father was also in the business. In any case, I I, I get the sense that she's not real afraid to, to tell tales out of school about people. No, she seems to be at an age where she's like, okay, screw it, I'll just tell you what I think. Well, one of the hey. one of the people that I thought, well. I mean, I felt this might be a little bit risky, but okay, Angelica Houston, do tell. And I am all ears for this story and, in fact, would like to see um, a Hallmark movie about it. Or no, a Lifetime movie about it. She had some stuff to say about Oprah Winfrey. Oh, okay. So she's spilling some dirt on Oprah Winfrey. Here we go. She never had me on her show ever. She won't talk to me. The only encounter I've had with Oprah was when I was at a party for the Academy Awards at a private residence. I was talking to Clint Eastwood and she literally came between us with her back to me. So all of a sudden I was confronted with the back of Oprah's head. Nobody else would dislike me so much as to literally physically come in between the person I was talking with that way. But I admire Oprah. God knows she's made some big steps. And the reason why Oprah Winfrey treated her that way, uh-huh. in her estimation, was because Oprah Winfrey lost the Oscar to Angelica Houston. Oh, for Color Purple. Yes. I have to tell you, I read that and I thought, 
I believe every single word of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I absolutely believe that Oprah was like throwing a tantrum. Well, I just think Oprah is the kind of person where the universe revolves around her. And when she when something doesn't go her way, she will take it personally. And I don't think Oprah's alone in that experience. In fact, I don't think you get to be Oprah if you haven't had, you know, if you don't have that level of ego, which, again, people I know want to ascribe supernatural spiritual powers to Oprah. Well, because but she... I don't. I think she's a human like the rest of us. And she's an amazing woman and a trailblazer and a pioneer in in many many ways but at the end of the day she's still a human being and in order to get to that level of fame and fortune you are gonna have to you are gonna have to be very strong willed and i would imagine that that strong will when left unchecked can occasionally turn in to biatchiness biatchiness to put it mildly because the thing that i that struck me about that is our opinion of oprah is so often shaped by her you know um Super Soul Sundays and uh, what are some of her other Oprah-isms? Like living her best life and kind of having that sort of positive, bright outlook on life. And so you get, you think that she must always walk that walk. Yeah. Well, nobody's perfect. No, and I don't even know that Oprah, if you sat her down, would, would act like she is perfect. In fact, I think she'd probably be very open about some of the things I think sometimes there's a tendency for Oprah to be to not quite see the world as it is. But I think that's because she's like I'm being kind of like overly tender with Oprah right now. I don't know why. Neither do I. But but I I imagine that when you're surrounded by people for as long as she has been that are you know telling her yes and nobody ever tells her no. It, that sort of shapes your world. So you don't, you, you can't expect her to see the world in any other way. I right? suppose you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, just the moral of the story is this, this particular story doesn't surprise me at all. So that's what Angelica Houston was saying about Oprah. Did she say anything else about Oprah? Not about Oprah, but would you like to hear about uh, other celebrities? Would yeah, you like to hear Colleen. what? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Sonny. Okay, so uh, let me give you a couple people that I can tell you about, and you guys choose, okay? Okay. Uh, Would you like to hear her thoughts on Woody Allen, on Jack Nicholson's (sighs) cocaine use, on uh, her view of the Me Too movement? Yes. What does she say about Me Too? Okay, she says a lot, but okay. I'm going to read her actual quotes, just because I don't want to get, I don't want to, paraphrase and miss anything in it she said quote i was at the hairdressers yesterday this is angelica houston's musings on the me too movement and i heard tales of such horror from women there was one other client and two girls who were working in this rather small hairdressing shop and one of the girls had been passed a mickey finn in a bar and had woken up on a couch with a guy her her wildly all over her her uh i redacted Anyway, uh, and she was telling the story. Another girl who worked in the salon came in and said, the weirdest thing happened to my friend last night. She was found at four in the morning in the Wilshire district, coatless, shoeless, and scratches and bruises all over her body. She doesn't know whether she was raped. So I'm trying to stop her from having a bath because we need to get her to the police. Okay, so this is Angelica Houston sharing her experience in the the hairdresser. And then she goes on to kind of... um, reflect on this Mm -hmm. frankly i think there's a whole element of guys who will get up to what they want to get up to i didn't think brett kavanaugh was all that believable and yet this whole thing continues to be whitewashed and whitewashed and whitewashed on the other hand there's a thing called the a male imperative and it is maybe stronger than any me too movement because it happens at birth 
I have a great three-year-old nephew who made his way over to my umbrella rack the other day, pulled an Irish walking stick out and said, I'm the leader of the universe. Girls don't do that. (laughs) Interesting. So I'm not really sure what her thoughts are on the meat. She kind of seemed like she was all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I was ready for you to tell me she was like, oh, it's just a bunch of. It's, women who don't understand how the world works or sounds something. Sounds like a safe answer is it's, what yeah. she gave. It was like a lot. It was like a little, a little of this. It was, a she, like, she went to the buffet <laughs> and she put it all on her plate. Hey, at least she's being honest. Well, and I do think, you know, at least she's being honest. Yes. And because also who among us has not talked in circles about some of these mm. kind of bigger, broader oh, issues, sure. right? Because, you know, we especially when it comes to men, it's like, well, you know, we're all sitting over here going, wow, we're learning stuff and things really seem like they're changing. Well, that would presume that the people who are doing all these horrible things have changed their mind or behavior, which I don't think that's probably right. happened. And I think, listen, I think that when we talk about it, there's a tendency for us to want things to have like a, it's black and white, right? Like there's an easy answer for it. Well, if there was an easy answer, then it would be solved. All right. Who, right? Who, so who else is deep. she thrown under the bridge? Uh, let's, uh, that let one me just, was pretty tame. Well, let me tell you about Woody Allen. How about that? Okay. She said... I think that after two states investigated him and neither of them prosecuted them. uh, Oh, she says this on the public's turn against Woody Allen. She said, I think that's after two states investigated him and neither of them prosecuted him. And then they asked her if she would work with him again. And she said, yeah, in a second. Wow. That was a surprise to me. But I, I imagine she's probably not alone. I imagine there are a lot of people in Hollywood that feel like they can't say certain things because it will be perceived as, you know, like, and rightly so. I mean, if you think about it, but, um, or at least there's a case to be made rightly so. Um, but I imagine she's not alone in thinking that. In fact, we've had several actors, um, you know, come out in support of Woody Allen. Um, and she, I mean, I, and I think to your, po- to your way previous point, Angelica Houston, having been in this industry for a long, long time, has sort of earned a place where she'll just say what she thinks and not feel like she has yeah. to go along with the popular consensus. Yeah. And that feels like one of those moments to me. And I don't, I don't think you have to throw Angelica Houston out a window because she said that. I mean, that's at least she's being honest about it. Yeah. Uh, would you like to hear what he, she said about, we have time for one more, yeah. uh, Jack Nicholson's cocaine use? Sure. She said, he never took overt amounts. He was never a guzzler. I think Jack sort of used it, probably like Freud did, in a rather smart way. Jack always had a bit of a problem with physical lethargy. He was tired, and I think probably at a certain age, a little bump would cheer him up, like espresso. Oh, my God. <laughs> did she just compare? Yes, cocaine, cocaine to espresso. To espresso. It was the 70s, you guys. People, people did treated cocaine like espresso. Yeah, By the way, she was apparently, uh, she, okay, this is, I don't know this whole story, but on being arrested at Jack Nicholson's house when Roman Polanski raped a 13-year-old girl, that story, she says, uh, it's a story that could have happened 10 years before in England or France or Italy or Spain or Portugal, and no one would have heard anything about it. And that's how these guys enjoy their time. Okay. Okay. I I need some follow up on that one. Yeah, there's there's a lot more. Uh, and yeah, she says it was a whole Playboy movement in France when I was a younger girl, 15, 16 years old, doing my first collections. You would go to these uh, you know areas in Paris, and older guys would hit on you. No, well, yeah, she, I'm sure she's lived through a lot. Well, she's telling you about it. So if you want to read the entire Vulture article on Angelica Houston, it is available for your perusal. You will learn all sorts of things 
about Hollywood. Now, when we come back on yep. the Colleen and Bradley show, we told you about the Al Roker restaurant the other day. We got a new theme restaurant to drop on you after this on My Talk 107. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Hi, I'm Bonnie Curry, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God.